Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. Please remember that all of the information in this podcast episode is limited to general information only. That means the information is not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So you should seek the advice of a licensed and trusted financial professional before acting on the information. And before you acquire or apply for a financial product, please read the PDS or product disclosure statement, which should be available on the issuer's website. Lastly, please keep in mind that past performance is not indicative of future performance. Kate, welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. We've actually got a very special guest with us today, a very important topic. Maybe I'll let you fill the listeners in. Yeah, absolutely. So often in the podcast, we mention the fantastic resource that is financial counsellors and how that is accessible to everyone in Australia and often a really good place to go if you're needing help with your day-to-day finances and getting out of debt. So in this episode, we've actually got a real-life financial counsellor on the show um, to dive into a little bit more about what they do, what happens when you call up that number and um, some stories and various things that have happened in the past. So I'm so honoured to have Nick on the show. Welcome, Nick. Hi, thanks very much for having me. Thank you. Now, it's definitely our privilege, Nick, to have you with us. We, we've we been wanting to get a financial counsellor on the show for a while, but I think right now is quite a, an important time to hear from someone as experienced as yourself to just share a, a little bit about, I guess, what you do, some of the common strategies that, that you implement, and I guess demystify this role of financial counsellor and I guess take away some of the maybe some of the shame that some people might have when they reach out for help but Kate and I were just thinking maybe if you can just give us you know a little bit of an intro to you a bit of your experience and how you came to be a financial counsellor. Yeah sure so um, thanks again for having me on Um, well I I was born and and grew up in regional Australia finished school and university here I, I finished an economics degree um, which then led me to working for about a decade in the banking sector, mostly in risk management. Um, so during that time, I'd always had an interest in helping others and I'd always had a bit of an idea. Maybe down the track, I'd, I'd like to get into doing some social work. Um, I actually found myself moving back to regional Australia from the city uh, to, to start a family after I, I met my, my wife. And... I came across a role that was advertised um, for a thing called a financial counsellor. And I'd never really heard of that role before. I actually rang the agency that was advertising it and said, um, what does a financial counsellor do? And they told me it's basically a role that works um, with people in the community that are having issues with financial hardship and financial stress and works with them to identify solutions and options to reduce that financial stress and help them get back on track. And I thought... That sounds really interesting. I told them about my banking background and after a couple of conversations, I found myself starting in that role. So it was it was a really good segue for me. It's a, it's a way that I got to meet my, my goal of, of working in social services, but also being able to retain all of that background that I'd built up in working in the banking sector and understanding banking products and understanding um, credit and risk management, being able to sort of apply all of that in a role where I could work in my home community and, and maybe work to, to, to better people's situations where I could. That's quite an interesting journey. Do you think a lot of the financial counsellors end up um, coming from a financial services background and going into being a financial counsellor that way or do they come from just completely diverse backgrounds? Uh, there is quite a diverse range of backgrounds. There's about 
800 or so financial counsellors working right throughout Australia. Um, I have met quite a few that come from banking backgrounds, that come from credit backgrounds, that come from debt collection backgrounds. Um, but an another big part of what we do, it's not just focusing on the finances um, of, of someone's situation. It's looking at that person holistically and looking at their whole situation and understanding what other impacts are going on in this person's life. But the, the financial stress may be just symptomatic of some other things that are going on in their life. Um, maybe it might be issues with their relationship, possibly issues with their health, some past trauma that they may still be dealing with that's impacting their decision-making and impacting their ability to, to, to keep a regular income. So we do need to look at people holistically, and there is an element of therapeutic counselling that comes into it, um, as well as focusing on the technical side of what's your current financial situation, what are the technical details of that, and what can we work with with yourself, with the options that we've got with the bank or the creditor or whoever that might be to, to address that stress and reduce that so they can focus that time and energy that comes free from dealing with that side of things on the other aspects of their life that they may be struggling with. How This is an interesting question for you, Nick. I'm not sure if you have an answer on the spot, but how much of your role would you say is counsellor and how much would you say is finance? If you could say percentage, is it half-half maybe? Probably a little bit bit more towards the side of understanding what's going on with their finances and dealing with the technical side of things, maybe 60-40, maybe 70-30. Um, mm -hmm. The other thing that, that we need to be mindful of is that we have um, a certain set of skills to deal with credit law, banking law, um, bankruptcy issues, and understanding that side of things. But when people are dealing with complex emotional issues or complex psychological issues, that sort of thing, we do need to refer them to the professionals that can help them with that side of things and mm -hmm. keep our skills based in, in, in and stick in our lane, basically. Keep, keep our skills focused on the technical side of addressing their financial problems. But if it's anything that's to do with their health, mental health, physical health, whatever it might be, um, we will refer them to the appropriate professionals to, to get more assistance in dealing with that side of things as it becomes apparent to us that that might be impacting their standard of life or their ability to, to, to manage their finances. Mm. How about then um, in terms of what would be some of the, I guess, the typical reasons that a financial counsellor would come to you over, say, a financial let me start that one again. What would be some of the typical reasons why someone would come to a financial counsellor versus, say, seeing a financial planner? Financial, financial counsellors are on occasion confused with financial planners or financial advisors, but the services that we provide are quite different. So financial planners and advisors that typically are employed by a credit company or a bank do provide advice to people who have some money and they want to invest it. And financial planners and advisors are generally quite prescriptive with the advice that they give. Mm. Take this amount of money and put it in this certain product for this period of time and we will expect to see this potential return. Whereas financial counsellors, we work with people who are in debt or in some form of financial hardship, have some sort of financial stress and are unable to meet um, typically ongoing expenses. Um, Financial counsellors, if we're going to get technical, typically also don't need a licence to offer financial counselling because we do operate under a licensing exemption through, from ASIC through the Australian Securities mm. and Investments Commission. Um, but we do need to follow strict conditions and, and they are that we, we, we are free. We don't charge any fees to our clients. We don't receive any 
payments or commissions from banks or credit companies or other third parties for the services that we provide. And we don't recommend specific products either. Um, and generally, financial counsellors all have to have an appropriate um, set of qualifications and training and keep up with the continuous professional development requirements like all professionals. Hmm. Um, but that, that's the key difference is that, that we, we aren't prescriptive on the advice that we give to people. Our role is typically to, to sit next to a client, sit alongside them and say, here's a clearer picture of your financial situation than perhaps what you otherwise were working with. Here are the options that you have. There might be options A, B and C. Um, now, option A might make more sense to me looking at your situation on paper, but you're the expert on you. So maybe option B might make more sense to you. You're the one that has that inside knowledge of what's your family responsibilities? What community responsibilities do you have? What, 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 what are your real health prospects? What are your real future intentions with employment? That sort of thing. So here's all the options. Here's the pros and cons of them. Which one do you think is going to work best for you? They might say option B or option C. Okay, let's put some steps in place to help you try and execute that plan and, and get to the next place that you, that you want to be at that's going to be best for you. Mm, and I, I think, think that's, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, and I think that's so important because often you have, if you have a financial issue, it's very hard to see all of the different options you have available to you and the pros and cons of each one. So having someone in your corner that can actually help identify the different paths you can take and actually what are the pros and cons of each one would be really helpful if you were in a situation like that. You've talked a little bit about the scope of the role of a financial counsellor. So if if someone gave you a call, what is the what is the typical sort of questions you start with when someone calls up? My typical approach would be just to have a very open conversation with them around what's going on. Where, where are you at? What's what's the, the main thing that's keeping you up at night, so to speak? What's what's the main financial issue that you've got that's causing you the most angst? What are you here to talk about? Some people come with a very specific issue that they're dealing with. It might be, I'm behind with this personal loan. I've got this credit card that's maxed out and I'm having trouble keeping up with the interest payments. I've got a few thousand dollars in arrears on my mortgage. Other people might come in. Um, I've had instances in the past where people have come in with a shopping bag full of bills unopened for a number of months. They just don't know where to start. There's been mm -hmm. something that's occurred in their personal life that's been that impactful and catastrophic on them that they just haven't had the time or the energy to stop and look at the bills that are piling up in the letterbox and they just don't know where to start. They know that it's about time they need to speak to someone, but they don't know where to start. So typically, I'll work with them to just get a handle on exactly where you're at finance-wise. Let's create a money plan. Let's look at what are the current, what's the current income that you're working with? What are the current living expenses that you've got? So we'll just line up. Here's the income. It might be through Centrelink. It might be through, through employment, whatever that might be. And then we'll look at all their living expenses. What are your rent costs? Or maybe what are your mortgage costs? What are the other living costs that you might have in terms of um, your housing costs, your food and energy costs, um, what are your transport costs? What about if you've got any kids schooling and living expenses that you need to cover? What insurances do you need to cover? Medical costs. And then we'll start to look at debt servicing costs. What liabilities do you have? What current loans do you have? For some people, it might be the first time that they've actually sat down and got a bit of a list together on exactly what debts they do have. 
So let's mm -hmm. start with the big ones that you're aware of, the ones that people are contacting you about. Then we might do something like order a credit report so that we can see if there's anything else that's out there that, you know, that, that's, that you haven't quite addressed and maybe the credit has lost contact with you because you've changed your address a couple of times. Um, maybe your phone number might have changed. So we'll, we'll get a handle on exactly what their debt profile looks like. And then we'll start to see what options we've got in addressing those debts. Um, and that might be through their money plan. So we'll might be putting together a budget or a money plan with a view to better track those everyday living expenses, but also mm -hmm. to see what money can be set aside to meet those debt servicing costs. Um, we might suggest ways that we can improve the financial situation through better management of those costs. An example of that might be, let's say, utility costs. Um, typically, we get our energy bills every three months. So if somebody isn't quite keeping track of their income and expenses too closely, that three monthly bill might come as a bit of a shock. Hmm. Um, you know, if you're living sort of paycheck to paycheck and then all of a sudden you get a four, five, six hundred dollar electricity bill followed pretty closely by a gas bill, maybe of, of half that amount, people can struggle to keep up with that. And that can put um, quite a lot of pressure on them. It can put a hole in their ability to meet other expenses. So Another way to manage that might be to request fortnightly payments towards those bills. And we'll work, we'll help them work out what sort of pro rata cost would be to pay those bills maybe fortnightly through a direct debit arrangement, whatever it might be, rather than paying them every three months. Um, mm -hmm. We'll help people by looking at that money plan to understand what debts are priorities here. And what can we do about those debts? Is there variations to the credit contract that we can negotiate for you? Can we negotiate a, a pause on interest for a little while? Can we negotiate a deferral of repayments for a little while if there's been some disruption to your income through some change in work? Um, there might be a health issue where you're off work for a little while, whatever it might be. Um, and then once we've identified some different options for them it's just talking through the pros and cons of those different options to help them reduce that financial stress downwards um, other things might be helping people access any applicable grants or concessions that might be uh, maybe meeting energy costs like uh, through epa vouchers the the energy accounts payment assistance scheme where people can get vouchers to go towards the electricity and gas accounts um, or it might be to access programs, say if we get people that come to us with a lot of fines through the uh, through RMS, through road maritime services, traffic offences, traffic fines, that sort of thing, um, we may be able to work with them to go on a work development order, which is basically a program designed to incentivise their engagement with, with um, financial counsellors and counsellors like ourselves and they can get some of those fines waived or reduced based on their um, cooperation or, or uh, attendance with those programs. We might then take the conversation to negotiating with creditors on their behalf. So actually sitting with the client and calling their bank or their credit company and outlining what their situation is and saying, okay, I'm sitting here with this client, Here's their situation. They've had some impact on their health. They've had some impact on their employment. There's been something that's impacted their income. Um, here's a proposal that we think is fair for both you and for them. Can we put this in place for a period of time? And we'll negotiate with them on the client's behalf. Sometimes the clients aren't confident 
in negotiating with their bank. Sometimes they're not sure on what the relevant issues are that they need to present to their bank or their creditor. And we can distill that down into almost into bank speak for them, have that negotiation with the credit company or the bank and get those arrangements in place. And also make sure that it's all noted and documented and done properly um, on both sides. Um, and it, it, it might even be, a, there's a whole spectrum of options that we can discuss with them. Right down one end, it's mm. do nothing. Um, see how things resolve themselves right through to to repayment plans, variations on credit agreements, deferrals, putting accounts on hold for a period of time until their income or their employment situation resolves itself, right through to bankruptcy. And with bankruptcy, it might be talking through the pros and cons of this is what bankruptcy would mean to your situation. Um, this is the process on how you'd go about it. These are the things that you need to consider before you do that. And here's the assistance that you might need either from from the government agency or, or from another specialist before you decide to make that decision. Mm. So mm. it's really a massive scope of different sort of options you've got to explore and um, potential solutions. Like I, I didn't even know there was a scheme where you could sort of um, get your fees waived. Um, so that's these are things like you wouldn't know unless you spoke to someone like yourself who's an expert and actually looks at these things every day. Absolutely. We, we do have to have a very specific knowledge about the credit bankruptcy and debt collection laws, all the concession mm. frameworks, the industry hardship practices that they can um, get updated quite frequently. And we're, we are also trained in negotiation and counselling. So it's, like I said, that link between looking at the technical side of things with their, their credit arrangements and with their, the financial side of things, but also making sure that clients are getting the emotional support and the well-being support and a listening ear basically mm. just when people really need it. Um, another thing that we do is, is assist people in engaging with companies' internal complaints or dispute resolution processes. And that might include escalating things with a bank or a credit company or utility provider internally. Or if things, uh, if, if a client is not getting the outcome that they're looking for, helping them access the external dispute resolution services with the relevant regulator or ombudsman agency if the former doesn't secure the fair outcome that we're seeking. Um, we also help people get a basic understanding of what their rights are and their access to legal help. Um, but it's also important to understand that we don't give legal advice. If somebody is facing a legal action, we can refer them to the appropriate professionals to get the qualified legal advice that they might need uh, in a timely manner. And sometimes that's straight away. It sounds, it sounds to me, Nick, like a big part of your job is actually just sitting with people, making them feel comfortable talking about their finances and just supporting them. Like you say, kind of making their own decisions, just outlining what are the pros and cons of this particular strategy or this scenario and really just being there for them to support them as they go through this process. Um, and I think that Absolutely. sounds like s such an empowering thing, right, for you as a professional, but also at, for them because, you know, we not everyone out there listens to this finance podcast. Not everyone understands finance and debt and how that goes. But it sounds like this is a fantastic thing. I'm wondering, in your role, are there any particular stories where you've been able to help people and then, Maybe personally, you know, you felt like that was a real triumph for you. I'm just trying to think if there's any listeners out there that might have been in a similar situation, they can maybe draw on one of these scenarios that you've come across and, and how you've helped someone. Everybody that walks through the door has a different story. So 
our response to people, it might just be basic budgeting. It might be somebody relatively younger that's moving into their own place for the first time that has not really done a budget before. And they just want to see how much is my employment going to cover of my rent, my utilities, my food, my transport costs, any basic insurances that I'm going to need. I might have a credit card, just some basic credit product like that. Um, So we can put together and put a fairly simple money plan together that just seeing the numbers down on the page, that young person can walk out of the office thinking, you know what? Yeah, I've got this. I I know that if I budget my money appropriately, I've got enough to cover the rent, the gas and the power and the petrol and all of that. And that'll reduce a lot of that anxiety that can just sort of float around in the back of their head a little bit nebulous until they've got numbers down on paper. They're not sure if they can cover it. Then it might be, maybe more complex budgeting, where maybe there's a mix of income sources and maybe some more complicated debts, a couple of payday loans, you know, maybe one credit card's towards its limit and they've got a personal loan or a car loan as well. It might be a change in circumstances that someone walks in with the door, unforeseen impacts to their income or their ability to manage expenses and liabilities. It might be a loss of work or income. But in terms of working with clients that that I, I have seen a major impact with, it's been things like health issues, people having Mm. to leave a relationship, perhaps through domestic violence, people losing a life partner. Um, So with the health issues, um, I have had instances before where people have come to see me um, with terminal diagnoses on on health conditions um, that have come and said, look, um, I've got a terminal diagnosis, I've got a, a young family, um, we've got some credit card debt and some personal loans that, that we're getting chased for by the bank or by the debt collection agency. Now, to be fair, the bank or the debt collection agency may not know the situation that's occurring within that family, the catastrophic um, scenario that they're dealing with. So it's a way for them to come to us where we can get a handle on what impact their health situation is having on the family and their well-being, what impact that's having on their finances, what additional hardship that's um, pressing onto the family and trying to deal with all the other living expenses and and all the other kids' schooling costs and all of the other things that they need to keep up with in terms of rental mortgage, and then having this this additional debt that they're dealing with. Many financial counsellors have been able to go back to the credit companies and say, look, here's the, here's the situation. Here's some evidence of that situation. We would like to request perhaps a full debt waiver, um, a reduction in the interest, a waiver of the interest, whatever that might be, um, and help them alleviate some of that stress. Now, we have had success in the past with um, some major banks and credit companies saying, okay, those circumstances are quite extenuating. We can see the impact that's having on that family. We'll waive that debt. And the the impact that that has on that family in terms of having that portion of stress removed from their life, so as we said earlier, so they can devote some time and energy on living and and trying to improve their health and trying to address some other aspects of the family's finances to to provide for their future, can really change their life for the better for that period of time. Hmm. Um, another situation I mentioned earlier might be the need for people to leave a relationship because of physical, mental, financial abuse, whatever form that abuse might come in, we can be a sounding board and let them know that, firstly, that's not okay. Understand your need to leave this relationship. There might be some debt 
that's binding them into that relationship or, or at least reducing their financial capacity to leave that relationship. Not, ha But so when I say that, I, I mean having to service some debt maybe that they weren't responsible for, perhaps mm -hmm. some debt that they entered into under duress, perhaps it's debt that they're not getting any benefit from. Um, I've had instances in the past where people have come and said, look, I'm paying out a, a car loan. I have no use of the car. I've never had any use of the car. I don't even know where the car is, but if I stop paying it, there can be physical ramifications on me, so I just continue paying it out of fear. So we can work with that person. Um, we'll work with a range of other community agencies, perhaps to just to work on getting some safe and stable accommodation, getting some support for, the, for that person and any children that are involved, and then go back to the bank or the credit company and say, here's the situation. I can evidence this through perhaps an apprehended violence order from the police. Here's some police event numbers. Here is some high-level evidence of what's going on here. It would make a huge difference to this person's life and capacity to move on and get somewhere safe if you would waive this debt and um, seen debts waived under those circumstances. And that uh, can really give people, as we said, the financial capacity to leave an unsafe place and, and basically start over. So that, that, that's mm -hmm. probably two of the most satisfying um, types of scenarios that I've worked with in the past. It's helping people with, mm. with really serious health issues, reduce some financial stress to give them time and energy to, to, to focus on living or, or perhaps recovering uh, and helping people get out of violent relationships. I was wondering, from all your experience um, in your finance career and as a financial counsellor, what are some of the most important lessons that you can share from your experiencing experiences helping Australians over your career? Because money is such a big part of life, financial stress can impact other parts of people's lives and in particular relationships. Mm. So people might notice they're arguing with others about money more. It's impacting um, their emotions. They might be feeling withdrawn or angry or fearful. And so I think it's really important to realise that there are physical and mental health stresses and impacts on people that come from financial stress. And it's important to, when you do have financial stress, to reach out and, and, and get assistance. Um, so that might be typically in the form of a free financial counselling agency, but it's also important to speak to your GP or your doctor and, and say, look, I'm, I'm having those impacts in my life. I think a lot of it has to do with some financial stress um, and then the other side of that coin is that the financial stresses and their inability to manage those finances might be symptomatic of something else that's going on. But mm -hmm. we can certainly help them address the financial, the financial side of things and carve out some space and time for them to deal with any other issues that they're dealing with. But then having said that, it's one thing to sit down and put a budget together and think to yourself, righto, this is the way it's going to be. But things come out of the blue. Um, unexpected injuries, unexpected illnesses, car accidents, relationship breakdowns, fines even. If someone's on a fairly tight budget and they get some sort of fine of a couple of hundred dollars or an unexpectedly high electricity bill, that can really put a spanner in the work. So it's important to budget for the things that you can reasonably foresee, um, things like that. But then there is other things that just come completely out of the blue. No amount of budgeting or full planning can really meet that, especially if your income does stop overnight. Um, and in those cases, typically there are options. So speak to someone, 
Uh, get on the front foot as best you can, reach out for that help, and we can sit down with you and work out what those options are and put together a bit of a roadmap to lead you out of that. It might be just a temporary thing. And when I say temporary, it might be a couple of weeks. It might be a couple of months. It might be half a year, whatever it might be, but everything's temporary. We can generally work with uh, your situation and identify some options for you to consider. Um, and the, the end goal of that is going to be to reduce your financial stress and get people back on, a, on a, as much of a firm financial footing as we can mm. um, over the longer term. Yeah, and I think it's just really important to know you don't need to be, I think some people think they need to have a massive level of debt before they go and they're allowed to go and get this financial help. And it's important to know that anyone can call and it's a free service. And we've put all the links to the National Debt Helpline as well in the show notes. But um, yeah, I think that was sort of the important thing we really wanted to get out with this episode is that anyone can call this free independent service and you've got qualified professionals that can advocate for you on the other end of the line. Um, I was just going to say, Chip, generally the the first port of call for connecting with a financial counsellor, wherever you are in Australia, is to call the National Debt Helpline number, that 1-800-007-007 number. Um, that's open 9.30am to 4.30pm Monday to Friday. When you do call, you will speak to a qualified financial counsellor like myself or one of my colleagues. We can help you identify high-level options and things that you need to consider. Sometimes it might be just identifying the crux of the issue that you're dealing with on the phone during that phone call. If we can provide you with some immediate um, steps to start to address that issue over the phone, great, we will. If it's something a little bit more complicated, a little bit more complex, a little bit more challenging for you, we can find a local financial counselling agency that's closest to you and connect you with them um, by sending you their number or, or connecting with them over the phone. Uh, it's, it's also important to, to understand that, that there's a lot of people out there that run small businesses, especially impacted now uh, by COVID and also by the bushfires that preceded this crisis. Um, there can be people out there with a mix of personal and business debt. And if they are struggling with either of those, we do have a dedicated small business support line, um, which they can access through the National Debt Helpline. Um, and there's also specialist uh, support out there for farmers and rural and regional businesses through the Rural Financial Counselling Network. And, and they can all be accessed through the National Debt Helpline if need be. Mm. Nick, I, I'm so pleased that you decided to take some time and, and come on this episode because I know from personal experience and professional experience that there's so much shame involved with money and debt and all these different types of things. There's a real stigma around it. And I think just having you on the show enables this conversation to reach many, many tens of thousands of people throughout Australia. And chances are many of those people could do with help from a financial counsellor. But I also want to say to our listeners who may not necessarily think that they need help from a financial counsellor, the reason that Kate and I do this show and the reason that our business exists is to help people understand their finances. And so even if you're not in that situation, what you could do right now is if you know someone who you think might benefit from this or your social community, please go and share this with them. Send them a message and say you should listen to this because this is the type of conversation that you know, Kate and I can have every day or Nick, Kate and I can have every day. But if it doesn't come from someone that they know, they probably might, might look into it. 
So take a moment and if, if you can think of anyone or you can think of your group and just share this conversation with them, I think what Nick's done is given us an opportunity to, to see and realize that there is no shame about it and there's nothing really off limits when it comes to finances and sharing that openly. So Nick, once again, thanks for taking the time out to chat with Kate and I and all of our listeners and, and share the important role that you do each day um, with our community. Thank you so much and thank you for, for making the time to have us on. Thank you.